Unless PJ Walker turned things around quickly, he's in real danger of Tyson Bagent taking his job as the Chicago Bears' top backup quarterback. You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm here to bring you your daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. You can follow me on Twitter at CoxSports1. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at LockedOnBears. You can like Locked On Bears on Facebook. Join the Locked On Bears Facebook group for even more Bears talk. Join the Locked On Bears subtext group for extra Chicago Bears analysis. And make sure you're subscribed to the Locked On Bears YouTube channel to keep up with all of our video podcasts as well. Thanks for making Locked On Bears your first listen today. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This episode of Locked On Bears is brought to you by BetterHelp. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. Visit betterhelp.com slash locked on to get 10% off your first month today. On the show today, we recap the Chicago Bears preseason loss to the Indianapolis Colts, starting with the quarterback controversy, the backup quarterback controversy, another big struggle from P.J. Walker, more progress from Tyson Bajans, and all of a sudden, that's a real battle with some real potential consequences for both players. We'll kind of check in on you know, how, how much we should trust what we've seen so far versus the larger track record of, of both players. We'll check in on these Bears, especially the rookie defensive linemen, but some other defensive linemen as well as we look for progress from Zach Pickens, Jervon Dexter, Terrell Lewis, Travis Gibson in that conversation. And then we'll also circle around to the offensive line depth where we didn't see any starters. And I think there was a collective step back from what we had seen from that group compared to the previous preseason game against the Tennessee Titans. But let's start with the quarterbacks here because I don't think we expected to have quite this level of quarterback controversy to start this preseason game. Not only does Tyson Bagent get in the game ahead of before Nathan Peterman, but comes in and plays really, really well after P.J. Walker struggled once again. And we're at the point now where the Bears absolutely have to give Tyson Bagent every opportunity to win this number two starting job. Matt Eberflus didn't say it outright after the game, but kind of like hinted that, hey, no one's job is safe here and that everyone is playing for their competition. Like implying that PJ Walker's not guaranteed anything. That number two spot is, is always going to be open. And Nathan Peterman played Pretty well, too. Had a really impressive downfield touchdown and made a couple other nice throws in there. But Bajent was really the star and the story of the game. 9 of 10 for 76 yards passing, plus a two-yard rushing touchdown to cap off what was like a like a 90-yard drive. They ended up driving down the length of the field and really was like in command, in control, operating the offense effectively. Now, we need to keep, always remember preseason game going against backups. He absolutely did everything the Bears asked him to do. You know, I mean, he executed the offense at a high level. And I think comparatively, P.J. Walker, also preseason game 
against mostly backups, and he went one of four for six yards and took a sack or two that he shouldn't have. And really, you know, the offense just was not operating very effectively when he's in there. And it wasn't as though, you know, the Colts swapped out a bunch of different personnel when Bajan came in. Sure, they were always rotating guys, but it wasn't like all the starters were there against Walker and then all the starters came out and it was all backups against Bajan. They were in largely similar situations or at least uh, opponents in terms of you know who the Colts were putting on the field and it was Bajant who was much more effectively able to work the ball down the field not only you know literally throwing the ball down the field but work bring the offense down the field benefited from some nice running from Roshan Johnson on that drive who also I think continues to play really well this preseason but there was something about the way Bajant looked you know comfortable and controlled at the line of scrimmage that really didn't feel like an undrafted rookie free agent quarterback. I mean, he was poised. He made difficult throws, right? His 9 of 10 wasn't just, you know, three screen passes for 160 yards or whatever Justin Fields had last week. This was asking more of the quarterback in those situations to hit a difficult couple. You know, he had a really nice slant in the red zone where it was tight coverage and got it in front of the cornerback, but before the safety could get there to hit a nice window, had a nice, you know, roll out out of the pocket and hit a receiver right at the sideline. A couple of nice throws over the middle of the field into tight coverage that really struck me as particularly impressive from an undrafted rookie free agent adjusting from Division Two. Now, I think when you, when you go back and watch that game, the the play calls for for Bajant were very basic West Coast offense principles. You know, these were not super complicated reads and asking the quarterback to do super complicated things, but this is the preseason, right? You're not expecting them to. And the fact that he was able to hit tight windows and make difficult throws within that, these are not just wide open players that are easy pitch and catch. These were more difficult throws. And even if they were wide open players, we, we weren't seeing P.J. Walker be able to take advantage of those opportunities. And that's really ultimately what a lot of this comes down to. Now, I will still say it was only 10 passes of Tyson Bajant. It's very good 10 passes, but only 10 passes is not a very large sample size. And we've still only seen, what, four P.J. Walker throws in this game, eight in the other game, 12 pass attempts, plus, you know, a handful of other passing plays. These are still very small sample sizes. You know, the Bears are not going to make their backup quarterback decision based purely on 12 throws from Walker and, you know, these 10 throws from Bajant plus the previous 10 throws. There's going to be the evaluation at practice, the evaluation in the third preseason game as well. But we've seen, you know, a lot more of P.J. Walker in the pros. We've seen him play well. We've seen him struggle, whereas Bajant is still a guy who is a relative unknown. And I'm of the belief that, like, Bajant has the the more unknown ceiling there and, and has more you can tap into. So that's the kind of guy I would prefer to give the opportunity to. I still think you're in a position where they may be able to either a get away with making Bajan the practice squad quarterback, or at the very least you can still keep him as the number three quarterback and still keep PJ Walker as a guy who has a little more experience in that room. It doesn't necessarily have to be one or the other. I also still think practice squad is not out of the question here. He's been, he's played very, very well, but another team would have to roster him to keep him off the practice squad. And I don't know that teams are going to be ready to do that just yet based on a couple of preseason games, but perhaps the third preseason game next week can really hammer that home for Tyson Bajant. We're going to break down Tyson Bajant's film in depth for the Locked On Bears subtext group, putting together a film video breakdown where you draw and, where I draw and annotate and, and narrate and talk over the play, break down the coverage, the route, the read, the throw for Tyson Bajant's 
big touchdown drive. We're going to go play-by-play through what he was able to do. It's only available for members of the Locked On Bears subtext group. It's an extra thing separate from the podcast, beyond the podcast. It's $4.99 a month, $5, and it gets you access to all 22 film breakdowns, full games of all 22 film of the Chicago Bears, uh, data and charting from this season coming up, but certainly a lot of stuff from last season, goodies in there, and also a direct line to text me. So to, in order to join, you got to go to joinsubtext.com slash locked on bears. You text in, get you that access, and then we'll get you into the Google Drive and all sorts of good stuff. Joinsubtext.com slash locked on bears for a Tyson Bajant breakdown to go with our Travis Gibson breakdown from last week. Got a clear Herbert breakdown in there and more to come all throughout the season. Go check it out. Joinsubtext.com slash locked on bears may have to do some more defensive line breakdowns in there in the coming weeks as we see more progress from Zach Pickens and uh, Jervon Dexter will kind of go through what we saw from them, where they got better, where they still need to improve against the Indianapolis Colts next on Locked on Bears. This episode of Locked on Bears is brought to you by BetterHelp. BetterHelp is here to help you connect with a therapist online to take care of your mental health. If you're thinking about starting therapy, BetterHelp is a great place to start because it's entirely online. It's super convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. I do online therapy every single week. Once a week, I meet with a therapist online. It's a really important part of my mental health regimen. I always like to say, just like you go to the gym to take care of your physical health, not because your body's broken, but just because you want to, you know, you want to take care of your health. The same thing is true for therapy. You don't have to be in a crisis to get help and benefit from Therapy. It's a part of taking care of your brain, your mental health, and being the best version of yourself. With BetterHelp, you just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, but they make it really easy that if you, the first therapist you get isn't what you're quite looking for, you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. So let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash locked on to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash locked on. We're seeing progress game to game, week to week from the Chicago Bears rookie defensive tackles in particular, Zach Pickens and Javon Dexter. But I also think this preseason has been big for guys like Terrell Lewis and Travis Gibson, who are also going to be part of this conversation. But I want to start with the rookie defensive tackles because we knew Dexter especially, but both players need some development, right? Need to adjust their game to the pro style and need to refine their technique, their use of their hands, well, especially for Dexter, the pad level. And this game felt like progress in that regard. It wasn't like, oh, everything is fixed and now they're perfect studs that are going to be great all season. No, but steps forward from where we saw from the previous game. You know, against the Titans in in preseason week one, Jervon Dexter, he would get out of his stance and just stand straight up, right? He wouldn't go forward and low into the blocker. He would like stand up, then approach the blocker and always end up coming in with really high pad level. It just wasn't a natural release. We saw him improve in that area somewhat. Like, I think he did a better job of coming out lower more often, attacking more often. I think especially, you know, using his length really well, getting his arms fully extended because he has good long arms, longer arms than a lot of the interior offensive linemen that he goes against out there to be able to then, like, keep himself a little bit more free, generate a little bit more force because when he's got his arms extended, he has to be a little bit lower to get them in the right place. 
So then I think you get more leverage like through his legs, through his core, and then up through his arms to push Linen back. It felt like both he and Zach Pickens, especially in the pass rush, like did a better job of pushing back the line of scrimmage. They weren't necessarily, you know, driving the guard in the center into the quarterback's lap all the time or anything, but at least like shrinking the top of the pocket somewhat for the quarterback so there wasn't as much room to step up when the edge guys started to get home. Same thing in the running game. Like I think they'd get a good pop off of their stance, like off of the snap to kind of push that line back a little bit. It wasn't as though every time they were, you know, knifing into the backfield and making a big tackle for loss. Although Zach Pickens did have one of those, and I was quite impressed with what he was able to do in this game. I think he's really coming along nicely so far. But Dexter, too, like, was able to hold firm in there and, and really control the line of scrimmage a little bit more. The problem was, I felt like with Dexter, there were a couple times where, like, off the snap, he would get under, the, you know, he'd be in a good spot and good technique, and he would push that line of scrimmage back a little bit. But then he struggled to, like disengage from the block and actually get to his gap into the ball carrier. Like there were a couple times there where it's like, okay, maybe he's supposed to be like outside of the guard, you know, to make sure that that B gap doesn't have the back coming through. And like he pushes him back and is, is like engaged with him. And it's clearly like seemingly in control of the line of scrimmage there. But then the back still ends up getting through his B gap because he can't quite get off of his block to get, you know, his arm into the gap or to fill the gap. So the back has to cut somewhere else. Like he just, he couldn't maintain the control of his gap despite initially winning off the snap and seeming to you know, to get a good push on the line of scrimmage and, and kind of control that way a little bit more. It's being able to sort of then take the next step to finish and make those plays that you'd like to see a little bit more progress from him. I thought Pickens did a better, much better job in this game too of taking on double teams and just holding firm, even though he's not, you know, you're not expecting him to split the guys and, you know, take down two blockers at once, but just hold that spot and leave the linebackers room behind him to run free. Absolutely saw more and better of that from Pickens in this game. At defensive end, Terrell Lewis, back-to-back games with a strip sack. It's one play in each game, but one huge play in each game, and it's going to weigh a lot when the Bears are trying to decide how many of these defensive ends to keep. I don't know that he did much else in terms of like generating a lot of pressure in this game, but he didn't even play as much, relatively speaking. You know, They, they really let the undrafted free agent guys, uh, D'Anthony Jones and, and Andrew Brown and some others, get a little more extended playing time in there, but I still think... Terrell Lewis continues to make a case to make this 53-man roster. Jack Sanborn, excuse me, Travis Gibson, uh, just Sanborn's name was right next to him on my list. Travis Gibson wasn't quite the bat out of hell in this game that he looked like in the previous game, but he still played well. Like, he didn't have a sack, but he hit the quarterback at least once, like especially in that fourth quarter. He got a couple of pressures in there, too. Like, he was, he was still playing well, and I think still demanding to make this 53-man roster. And I really keep finding myself feeling like, Rasheem Green is the guy who's just done close to nothing in this preseason. He hasn't played that much. They play him with the starters and then take him out, which would indicate he's probably pretty safe. But it just doesn't seem like he's earned much at this point, whereas guys like Lewis and Gibson are playing hard, and Robinson, I think, has flashed a little bit here and there. So, I mean, to me, I, I can't justify keeping Green and cutting either Gibson or Lewis, but I can justify keeping all of them. Like, if you want to keep five defensive ends and go – Walker, Ngakwe, excuse me, yeah, Walker, Ngakwe, Robinson, Green, Gibson, and Lewis would be six defensive ends as I count them out loud. Like, it just to me, it would be really hard to cut Lewis and keep Green or cut Gibson and keep Green because those guys have been playing better than he has. And I, Lewis is not on guaranteed money. He doesn't have, like, a ton of proven career production by any means. Like, he's a guy they clearly went after and had an interest in early on. But, you know, 
you got to earn it at training camp in the preseason. And he just has not really been able to do that up to this point. And maybe practice has been better. Maybe that's where we're not seeing. But in the games, just has not been all that consistent in a way that I think is disappointing. And you're hoping to kind of see more from him throughout this process. But so far, it's been really the show from everybody else on that defensive line and uh, not as much him. Especially, I thought, you know, with the starters not playing at all in this game, you know, a little more extended time for him would have made a lot of sense. But we still got to see plenty of the rookies, plenty of the other young guys getting in the rotation there. And it's it's been good to kind of see some of the progress from those guys as well. I was surprised we didn't see Darnell Wright as far as rookies getting some playing time. Didn't see Tyler Scott. Bayless Jones, I think, dealing with an injury, but we didn't get to see Bayless Jones either. So I, I was a little bit surprised that some of the other younger guys didn't get some extended playing time in this game, but it did give more time for this backup Chicago Bears offensive line that played really well against the Tennessee Titans, but I don't think quite showed out the same way against the Colts. So we'll check in how the depth is doing on that side of the trenches next on Locked on Bears. The Locked on Bears podcast is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Football season is about to kick off and FanDuel is giving you the chance to win all season long. Because right now, when you bet on a Super Bowl winner, FanDuel is going to give you bonus bet every time that team wins in the regular season. So you pick any team to win the Super Bowl, and anytime that team wins, you're getting bonus bets for every victory they have. You can then take those bonus bets and use them on spreads, player props, over-unders. And even if you don't pick the Bears as that Super Bowl team, you can take those bonus bets and use those on Bears games. There's lines already for Week 1 Bears-Packers. You can bet on Justin Fields' MVP odds, Matt Eberflus's Coach of the Year odds, and so much more, all in an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to download. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and start earning bonus bets with America's number one sportsbook. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Last week against the Tennessee Titans, it felt like this Bears backup offensive line was, was dialed in, right? We saw Jatiri Carter start at right guard and play pretty well as you know a couple screen passes there we saw a couple other guys you know like Doug Kramer come in and play well and it to me it felt like against the Colts a, a step back to the mean you know back towards a little bit more of I think what we were expecting early on this is a backup offensive line that varies in experience and reliability and that was more I think of what we saw against the Colts compared to what we saw against the Tennessee Titans I think first and foremost Larry Borum's dialed in. Like I, Larry Borum's playing well. He was the of, of the backup lineman who I guess started this game, but you know backups on the depth chart. He was the one who I was most impressed with. Like he's been consistent through both of these games. He's the one who uh, he's locked in this fifty-three man roster. If you ask me, like he is the swing tackle, right? You're starting Braxton Jones and Darnell Wright. Larry Borum's number three. That seems pretty clear at this point. They played him at both left and right tackle in this game. He played both fairly well in this game. I think you're feeling pretty good about Larry Borum as your number three tackle and a guy who has played guard before as well in a pinch if you need him to kick inside, but, you know, settling in very nicely at tackle so far this preseason. The rest of the backup offensive line, varying degrees of concern, I, I think. Alex Leatherwood, for example, at left guard, to me, still has not really looked playable in the regular season. Right? He's been a project a guy they claimed on waivers last season to try and develop, not seeing nearly as much development as you'd like to see. It's still 
sloppy. It's not really not really coordinated well, upper body and lower body, right? Still kind of lunging, still kind of reaching off balance a lot, overruns guys. Like the feet move really, really well, but then like they go too far and he doesn't keep still and he doesn't anchor very well. And it's just, it's sloppy. And it, it feels like it's not, it's not happening right now. So then the question is like, do you keep him on the 53 man roster again to keep trying to develop him? Or do you give up on him after claiming him and paying him quite a bit of money? last season off of what was on his rookie deal and, and having to sort of eat the rest of his rookie deal if you wave him and no one claims him. But, you know, it just doesn't feel like he's a guy that's reliable. You can rely on in, in any sort of capacity at this point. Like can any sort of, like if he needed to play significant snaps, you wouldn't feel good about where that spot is on your offensive line because it's, it's rough. There are moments, but it's, it, it would have some concerns. Uh, then, you know, like Jatiri Carter played really well in the first preseason game. Thought he came back to earth a little bit more in this one. And a couple of times, just not quite as consistent, not hold, not getting as much of a nice power drive in the in the running game. You know, I think the Colts defensive line was able to play with a little bit better leverage. He certainly didn't play a ton of snaps, so it's not a, you know, it's not a huge sample size here. But he did get beat at least once or twice in the in the passing game. I think he, he and it's a little bit of stunt communication with Doug Kramer wasn't always great. And Kramer, too, like, he, he was solid against the Titans. And then in this one, you know, some of his lack of, I think, lack of, I don't want to say, like, strength. He's not weak, but some of that, like, core anchoring ability was exposed a little bit in this game. And, like, he's not the, he moves pretty well, but he's not the fastest. And sometimes trying to climb to the second level, he couldn't quite get there where you wanted to. And it just, again, kind of felt like there's a reason he's the third string center on the depth chart, you know, behind Whitehair and Lucas Patrick. I think that's... That's for a reason. Like we were wondering if maybe a guy like Kramer could start to make this 53-man roster if he kept up the high level of play, but it just felt to me wasn't quite as good in this game. And and you got to be really great to be if you're going to be just a center, and, you know, not have a lot of guard versatility in this O line. You really got to be good. And and so I think Kramer might be practice squad bound again at this point. But the, the conversation becomes tricky here because like okay, we know we know who the starting five linemen are. You know. Uh, Braxton Jones, Tevin Jenkins, Cody Whitehair, Nate Davis, Darnell Wright, you know, win healthy, that's the starting five. And then we know Larry Borum pretty much locked in as a swing tackle. That's your sixth offensive lineman. Lucas Patrick locked in as a backup center slash guard. That's seven. Typically you keep eight, sometimes nine. So then who's the eight in this group? Is it Jatiri Carter? Is it is it Alex Leatherwood? As you know, we say, screw it. We'll play Borum or Patrick if we need a backup, but we'll keep Leatherwood just to keep developing him because we still believe him. I didn't mention Aviante Collins, who was the the fifth man of this backup offensive line. He struggled again. I, I don't think I don't think he's got a shot at this point, uh, especially because a guy like Kellen Deesh, the third string offensive tackle, came in and played really well. They took Borum out, kept Collins in, and brought Deesh in with some of the starters and I think, or some of the backups, the top backups, the second stringers. And I thought Deesh played really, really well. So I don't think, I don't think Collins has a shot. I don't think Deesh will make the roster either. So it's a question of like Leatherwood or Carter, I guess. I mean, Collins has guard versatility. So there's a chance they, you know, that the pre the preseason games are not, you know, fully representative of how good he's been at practice. But to me, it kind of comes down to Carter or Leatherwood potentially here for that eighth offensive lineman spot. And maybe you like Leatherwood having some versatility to play tackle, but Carter certainly has been the better of the two, or maybe even Dieter Iselin, because he can play guard and center. Logan Stenberg came in in this game off waivers for the Lions. I thought he played pretty well, but, you know, short short time to prove himself in this, in this preseason. I think that last offensive line spot will be interesting, but I think you can feel all right about 
Borum being your top backup tackle, Patrick being your your top backup interior guy, and then whoever else they keep is kind of a bonus after that for depth that you hope can continue to develop and grow. And if you need to rely on them, hopefully they can give you something a little bit more consistent that way. You, you can be sure. We'll keep a close eye on this Bears offensive line, the young guys on the defensive line, and of course, the quarterback battle right here on the Locked On Bears podcast. So make sure you hit that subscribe button on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. That's going to be the best way to keep up with all of our daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. Thanks for making Locked On Bears your first listen today. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Really appreciate our everydayers. Tune in five days a week, getting your daily Bears fix. And of course, then your daily opportunity to bear down.